Welcome back to For Future Generations, Indigenous Perspectives on the Environment, Part 2. Let's jump back into our interview with our guests, Monyaka de Oro, Kami Agarola, and Christian San Nicolas from the Micronesia Climate Change Alliance. Thank you for listening and please enjoy the rest of the podcast. What role does digital media play in environmental activism? Yes, well, for the past two years, MCCA has been doing some digital media work on food sovereignty and on the waste crisis on Guahan. And through the help of Manyaka and Francesca, they brought me in um, to be a storyteller on those crises. And, and we've been able to connect to our community in the ways of learning from elders and you know, being able to produce content that we can pass to uh, our younger generations through social media. Social media is such a great tool to push forward our own agenda through MCCA, but then also to educate and to include the youth in these conversations and and have an opportunity for voices in the Marianas to speak on these issues instead of seeing them on a bigger Pacifica scale, we can really, you know, narrow down and hone hone these ideas within our region. From our Nanas for our Nennies is basically what the title states. It's in it's knowledge from our ancestors and our elders and our, our grandparents and taking that knowledge and passing it down to the nannies, our babies, our brothers, our sisters, our nieces, our nephews. Um, and the way that we've done this is we, we've gathered some stories from business professionals, again, from our elders, um, people in the community who work on these frontline spaces and, and, and a community level um, and giving them the opportunity to to teach our youth about how to grow their own vegetables or how to shop sustainably or how to recycle or the best ways to recycle what options we have here on island to do so um, and consolidating all of that information in a way that's easily accessible. So that's one of the things that MCCA is doing and we are hoping to continue that through our digital media projects that we're holding at the moment. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. We were just learning a little bit more about the role of social media and digital multimedia projects within the environmental sphere. So if you could talk a little bit more about that and just kind of how that interacts with different generations of environmental activists. Yes, of course. So one thing that we learned through from our Nanas for Nannies is that the reach that we got through this form of media was so wide through the use of older versions of media. So like uh, daytime television on here on Guam, it was KOAM and, and we were able to, you know, put our work on our news network and that was received widely. The role social media and media in general has had on the environmental crisis um, on our island has been such a positive experience for me personally. Um, through MCCA, I was able to produce from our Nanas for Anani's with Francesca and it was streamed on YouTube, on Instagram. And we were lucky enough to have it on a local news network here, KYM, which I think spread our voices even further than we expected to the older generations, to our Manampu. And, you know, to this day, sometimes my grandma, she when she goes to bingo, uh, people around her will go, hey, is your granddaughter still on KYM? I saw her. She was, you know, doing the recycling. She went to iRecycle and all of that stuff. So we were able to hit 
all these generations. And uh, one thing I'm noticing is that it's sparking conversation um, on that familial level. So these conversations are happening at dinner tables, like I said, at bingo, you know, at, at these community spaces where, you know, we might not have been able to hold these conversations. Um, and another thing is just the immediacy of social media as well. As these environmental issues are are coming out, the idea of getting the information about it immediately. So one thing that comes off the top of my head that we didn't cover officially, but we did cover on our social media platforms was the occurrence at Marble Caves that happened around the solar panels and um, how it desecrated basically the freshwater source. And we were able to gather information quickly, post it on our social media, and it got like a huge wave of support on social media because of the fact that we were able to gather that information and put it out so quickly. So social media has been for us such a positive thing to reach out to our community and start those conversations. Yeah. I mean, as a Chamorro out in the diaspora, I feel like going on my Instagram feed is like a way of checking in with the people who are, who are back home. And it's, it's, it's a way of, you know, staying in the know about what's going on, like the, the development that was, that was happening that people were speaking out against and everything. Um, so yeah, I feel like it is a really huge tool for, for connecting. And it's also great to hear that the, the connection with Manamkos, with elders too, that, you know, the, the program you created was also in a form that like they could see it, you know, cause like my grandpa's not on Instagram, but he watches cable TV whenever he's sitting at the kitchen table. You know, another thing that I mentioned is like, you know, educating and empowering is like, who's going to do this after we're gone and, you know, ensuring that the fight still goes on um, even, you know, after us. Yeah. And, and I agree the, the education aspect is, is really so, so important. That's, you know, why we, we, we titled this podcast yeah. for future generations because of, like with the current state of the environment, it's, you know, focusing on like, what do we need to do so that future generations have a world to live in that is, that is fruitful for them. Thinking about, you know, the, the digital aspect of, of what you guys are doing too. I'm curious, like what role is art and storytelling playing in environmental activism? And if there's any projects you're working on right now, we'd love to hear about that. Yes, well, that's actually something that MCC has been thinking of for this past year, and we've been able to, you know, bring to life just recently in these past months. Um, we have a program that has been brought to life by Humanities Guahan with the help of MCCA team members and with also the help of UOG Center of Island Sustainability. Um, it is a digital storytelling program called Kulu, and it is a way to empower youth and up and coming artists in the mediums of photography, filmmaking, um, the audio, I guess, area of uh, storytelling, like podcasts and um, journalism, and really enhancing those skills uh, so that they can, you know, reclaim stories within our region and uh, talk about the climate crisis and talk about environmental justice. And in regards to the Center of Island Sustainability, Sustainable Development Goals. Um, and we've been able to do that through the help of mentors such as Tony Azios. He's a filmmaker here on Guahan, who is a brilliant documentary filmmaker. Uh, we have the help of Tomas Manglotnia. He is a journalist from the Marianas region, from Tinian to Luta to Saipan to Guam. He's been, you know, documenting all of these stories within our region and, you know, really telling it. And he's 
you know, very young as well. So, you know, having a, having a person who is so young and amplifying these voices, it's so powerful to have within this program. And also with the help of others, uh, we have Jelena Santos, who is the co-creator of the podcast, Dear Gorgeous, and graphic designer, Kersha Taitano, who is a visual artist um, that is based here on Guahan. So all of these mentors together are helping this group of young artists hone their skills. And at the end of this program, which will take um, up the time of six months, we will end with a culmination event, which will display all of the work that they've done over the course of these past months. And we are hoping to expand it possibly to other islands in the Marianas uh, and Saipantinian and Rhoda, you know, just to continue this work and to continue telling these stories because we see that it's so important to in any of these spaces right to adapt with the times and you know inherently as Chamorros we are storytellers we can literally talk story for hours and if I had the time I would probably talk your ear off for hours so translating that talent that we all inherently have and and bringing that to a digital space is so important, you know, to take up such space and take up also the responsibility to fill that space with topics and ideas that are important to us as people um, and really, you know, creating a foundation for that to happen so that we can create a baseline. You know, we have such great storytellers across Pacifica and across Oceania that have really brought um, Pacific Islanders to the forefront of media. We have Taika Waititi, who's a brilliant and one of my favorite filmmakers. We have, you know, all these actors and actresses from Pacifica who are bringing our stories to light, right? And it is only right that we bring stories from the Marianas to light, from Micronesia, you know, regional stories that, that you know, the Nenny and me wish I had when I was younger. So that's basically per, at a personal level what I'm doing Nenny Kami is like screaming at what I'm doing right now being like woohoo so that's that's what I hope for on a personal level with Kulu is that um, we can create a space for young people within Guam and the Marianas to refer to when they want to tell their stories on a digital platform. Um, I just wanted to explain like the name Kulu, the name of the project Kami was just talking about. So traditionally, Kulu is the name of the conch shell that they blow. I'm not too sure if you guys have ever seen it, but they have like a shell and they have like a loud sound like. And it was made um, just so if there was an important announcement to be made, everyone just comes because of that sounds because there's something important to be said. So the program allows them to blow their Kulu digitally, um, utilizing all of the software, hardware and things like that, saying, hey, I have an important announcement to make about the climate crisis. And so everyone should listen up. Yeah, we gifted everybody a Kulu um, for their for their participation. There's 15 uh, digital storytellers going through the program right now. And it's something that we hope to replicate in the Northern Marianas. And we're currently applying for some funding for that. And also um, hopefully in Palau as well, one day. To wrap us up, uh, what world do you envision for future generations? So I'm a mom, I have a four month old baby and I have a 13 year old son. So I I think about this question pretty often. And um, I think about it in the worldview of a Chamorro woman and as as a Pacifica woman as well. And one thing that I would love for them to inherit is a clean, healthy and prosperous lands, waters and air, ensuring that the environment is um, 
worthy of their greatness and as healthy as the healthiest place that they can be so they can live long, healthy lives. Um, I would love for them to be able to be really connected to our lands, to eat directly from the lands and the waters around us, um, to speak our languages, um, to sing our songs and to be um, empowered to be creative in the ways that they want to use our lands and waters. And hopefully it's for the benefit of all. Um, so much of the work that we do at Micronesia Climate Change Alliance is grounding the idea of the of the just transition, which basically helps us. It's a framework. It's a policy. It's a practice and a process um, just as much as it is a vision of how we move from an extractive economy to a regenerative economy and how we center sacredness and care at the ways that we as human beings make relations with one another and with the environment. And so shifting away from pressures of capitalism and colonization to this more um, indigenous aligned value system is also um, a huge motivator as to why I come to do this work with MCCA and other orgs um, is just really wanting to move away from this take, take, take mentality and um, moving more in alignment with the Chamorro values of anaphimalic and reciprocity. And having the whole world to come into that would be just so beautiful to see, because I think that humanity is so much more than just what we can profit off one another and how we can um, benefit from one another, but really how we can coexist in harmony and in greater appreciation and reverence for all that has been given to us. I literally could not have put it better myself. I'm like trying to find anything that I could add to that, but you hit all the dots. And that's why she's our poster girl, our our first call when we have these types of things. Growing up, I was, you know, raised on that Western way of thinking, like very forward thinking, looking to the future always. And like the purpose of life is to always excel in the future. But one thing I am learning and technically unlearning too, is that, you know, a part of our culture is that life is a circle. There's a circle of life. And, and in order to look forward, we must always keep an open ear, open eyes, and open heart to the people who have come before us, and the people who have been here longer than us, and those who are willing to help us you know, move forward in that way. And, and there's always some sort of knowledge to refer to in that aspect. And I guess when I envision a world, yes, I envision, you know, speaking our native language. That's something that I'm desperately trying to do now, whether it's like driving my grandma to do like errands or daily tasks, or I was just telling Manyeka and, and Christian and Michelle about this, but like the way I, I learned language and the way I like learned how to get around my island was driving my grandma to all the churches on island. Like that's how I learned the route of how to get to Talafofo, how to get to Inaloha. And so reverting back to these practices of being around family and having that be the center of our work and the center of our life instead of this, like Manyaka said, this capitalistic worldview where the goal is to, you know, make money and 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 all of these things. But then also another dream of mine is to, like I said before, be surrounded by a space that's filled with Micronesian voices, that's filled with Chamorro voices. And 
to have tomorrow's songs play on the radio all the time and to have my Spotify recap playlist be all tomorrow songs or all I love like Carolinian songs and I'm I'm just getting back into like the yappies and you know like the cha-cha music line dancing music I'm in that phase right now and and having that be my everyday experience my everyday life eating local food every single day and having that be a normality instead of like a novelty right having conversations with elders in the native tongue I think is something that I'm going to go back to but it's so important to hear our stories in the language that they've originated from, I think is so important. That's something that I'm doing in, in my work that I'm trying to really push forward. And I don't have any nannies yet, but hopefully, you know, a, a, a land that they can make decisions for and take action in, you know, currently our voices are constantly being overpowered by the ideals of the military and the United States. And I guess my dream for the future is to have our children be able to make decisions that are heard and that are listened to and where there's no implementation gap and action is being taken instead of just listened to in these spaces and, you know, being clapped for and action is really being taken for our future. Wow, how do I go after both of that? That was very strong and powerful girls. But I guess for my future, you know, I would just love to go back to our roots, you know. Our ancestors have always lived off of the land and the water. And why can't we do that today, especially when that's such like a beautiful thing. I am not the best weaver. I could probably weave a good two or three items. But, you know, that is a skill that I would like love to learn and I would love future generations to learn. Um, Or even, you know, even modernizing it, just for example, like Cammy's earrings um, of the fish. That technique is um, usually used with coconut leaves and that is woven, uh, a woven fish. And the artist, um, Abby, she was able to utilize leather, I believe, to make beautiful pieces like that. So, you know, it's not necessarily just like living in the past, but it's just how do you connect the past with our future and, you know, um, extending generational knowledge from there. But yeah, Biba, hopefully the future has bright futures in stores. I know it will. Super excited to, you know, help build it and for future generations to come. Thank you for joining us for part two of For Future Generations, Indigenous Perspectives on the Environment. We would like to thank Monyeka de Oro, Kami Agarola, and Christian San Nicolas from the Micronesia Climate Change Alliance for sharing their experiences and knowledge with us. To learn more about their organization, visit mccalliance.org and follow them on social media at Micronesia Climate Alliance. We hope that this podcast serves to highlight the importance of Indigenous perspectives in environmental activism. Indigenous communities' knowledge stemming from generations of respecting and caring for nature is essential to improving the climate crisis. Rooted in Indigenous cultures around the world is a deep respect for the environment on a physical and spiritual level. Because of this, they hold unparalleled generational knowledge. For thousands of years, Indigenous communities lived in harmony with the land. In this modern and industrial age, we have lost touch of that. Had we listened to Indigenous leaders from the start, we might have avoided the current climate crisis. Now, it is imperative that we start listening. Colonization has forced the Mariana Islands to rely on imports for survival, leading to increased waste and pollution on their land and in their seas. 
The U.S. military occupiers and foreign developers often disregard the input of the indigenous Chamorro community. Nonetheless, local activism is on the rise. The Micronesia Climate Change Alliance and activists we spoke to today are one example of grassroots indigenous activism. Around the world, there are countless indigenous organizations working to improve the environmental conditions in their local communities. Micronesia is at the forefront of the climate crisis. As island communities, they are directly affected by climate change right now. Islands across the Pacific suffer from intensifying storms, rising sea levels, overfishing, and coral bleaching that not only damage the physical environment, but also threaten their way of life. It is only a matter of time before the rest of the world also comes face to face with the climate crisis. We need to not only acknowledge, but also listen to the indigenous leaders already out there doing work. They're here, they're ready, and they have the knowledge and experience needed to build a better world for future generations. Hope for a generation.